The Down in a Heap podcast from Rob C. is one of the only podcasts that I can stand to listen to. I'm Froth from the Thought Eater podcast, and I approve this message. In old school games where life is cheap, no, don't be a dope, bring a pole and a rope. Whatever you do, try not to go. No, don't go down in a heap. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Down in a Heap podcast. I'm your host Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful northeast Minneapolis. This is actually future Rob. Uh, we, This is, uh, what day, is it day seven? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, regardless, it's, it's Friday, which means it's Friend Friday, where I'm going to try and have uh, a tandem podcast uh every friday in october in osr october and this week i was uh, lucky enough to nab jason connerly from nerds rpg variety cast to talk to me about some of our some of the systems we really like in the osr and then secondarily talking about movies that seem to capture to us an osr kind of feel but there were a couple things I just wanted to bring up. First, Jason brings up uh, a game by Goblinoid Games by Dan Proctor, the, the maker of um, Labyrinth Lord and Mutant Future and Apes Ascendant. Is that what it is? Well, the Planet of the Apes clone and stuff too. But Jason mentions a game that he in error refers to as Crypt Master, and it's actually Crypt World. So he wanted me to be sure to correct that. I sound a little bit like a AM radio with the treble turned way up. So I apologize for that. I'm just using my earbuds uh, as a, a microphone. So my end of the audio doesn't sound as crisp as, as normal <laughs> as Jason's. So apologies there. And... Further technical glitches on my end, my connection kind of zones out a couple of times. It's only for a few seconds, so bear with us. And uh, yeah, thanks to Jason for joining me and for handling the technical end of things because I'm still an idiot and haven't figured out how to record on any kind of uh, video or otherwise platform other than <laughs> what I used to do with Evil Jeff, the record with friends feature on Anchor, which I'm guessing doesn't work anymore. Anyway, you heard there it was a little bit of a taste of Christmas in October. It's OSR Christmas <laughs> with uh, Safer's Christmas rendition of the Down in a Heap theme song. So that was Safer from Safer Fantasy Crafting. Thanks for that jingle, uh, Safer. I appreciate it. And without further ado, let's go to that interview. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Down in the Heat podcast. I'm your host Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful Northeast Minneapolis. And today I have on Friend Friday, even though pst, we're recording this on day one of October, OSR, um, I've got... That movie madman, the one take Connerly. He's such a professional. He never edits anything. And uh, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Thanks for coming on with me, Jason. I'm happy to do so, Rob. Thank you for inviting me. I I'll let you know a little secret. I I, I do edit and do multiple <laughs> takes. <laughs> well, this this is basically going to be one take because <laughs> I, I seldom do edit. Yeah. Um, only when I wander into a cul-de-sac, which happens uh, with with more frequency than it used to. Yeah, um, I, to, to be fair, with when I do interviews and record co joint recordings with people, I, I typically, unless there's something that has to get cut out, I typically yeah. don't edit those. That that's just however it is. I don't go yeah. through that and try to edit ums and ahs or anything. I don't edit ums and ahs out my normal show, but I definitely do multiple takes. I, you know, when you hear the segments like me recording in the backyard, usually it's like three or four takes before I get one. I like so well, yours was the first, uh, OSR October podcast I listened to because I think you and Taylor had, uh, 
dropped them before I did, even though I dropped mine at like five in the morning or something. And there were you guys that already beat me to it. Well, well you can set it's... anchor to pre to release. You can record ahead of time and set to release. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, up on all that. I'm lucky if I can even get a podcast to, to drop, but it well, sounded like, it sounded like your, uh, your co-host Maddie wanted to give his version of the OSR too, but um, yeah, yeah. Did Matt, he ever? Did he ever uh, expound on that? Or not, not a whole lot. Maddie likes to. He, he's more into LARPing and, and mm. physical. He, yeah. he likes more dexterity games. You know, like he'd be okay like with Dread, where you use the Jenga tower for the horror game, or sure, or games like that. But yeah, Maddie's more of a interactive. He he kind of gets <laughs> bored. His eyes kind of glaze over if you if you talk too much <laughs> maddie is if, if you don't know well i'm sure 95 percent of the people listening to my podcast already listen to jason so you know maddie is one of his his beloved hounds he is he's a good boy so um jason and i were going to kind of talk a little bit about systems uh, and we'll probably as we're prone to do meander off topic a little bit too but uh we're going to talk about uh, some of our favorite osr systems and one thing i really appreciate with jason joining in in osr october is i know it's not even his like preferred games and game styles uh but because he is kind of the consummate gamer uh he knows a lot about all kinds of systems even you know, even though they're not maybe his favorite thing, because he just likes to play with a lot of different people. And if they happen to like OSR games, that's what he plays. So what, uh, lay it on me. What, what are, uh, one or two, three, whatever, however many you want to mention, what's, uh, what comes to mind when you think of your like favorite OSR game system? Sure. So, and, and to be fair, I've got a lot of nostalgia for, like AD and D, especially you know from playing back in the day, and and you know I play still play it today. I'm in a Friday night AD and D group and have have run it and done so, stuff with it. But yeah, I generally do like other systems these days if if I'm running it. But um, so it depends on your definition of OSR, and which of course everybody refer back to Rob Day One. Um, but. <laughs> If we're if because we actually... all arguments over the OSR are now settled, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the so to me, if if we're counting the, I, I I still like the original games. So so the if 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 I had to pick games, it, you know it it would be O D and D the three little books plus mm -hmm. Chainmail, A D and D first edition because I think they provide you different things like A D and D first edition to me is the challenge of running it rules is written, which I know people say you can't, but I, I think the challenge of trying to do that's fun. You, you know, trying to index across three books and doing all everything you're doing. Um, but, at, at, you know, at the lighter games that developed in the OSR, really, even though I grew up with Beckme, BX is my preferred these days of those. And, and I do like the presentation of Mulvey Cook basic expert to OSC. I, mm -hmm. I've got a printing where I took PDFs and merged the PDFs that I paid for for basic and expert and then got it printed as a single volume. Uh, I, cool. I don't have it here in the room with me, but it's, you know, and yeah. so that's that's my preferred. But if we're talking about clones, retro clones and all that, I, mm -hmm. I, I've got, you know, I got into this early on. Um, Lab in Florida, I, I do like it all, but I'll give you, even though it's not my preferred version of TSR D&D anymore, there's a clone of Beckme that I really like. And unfortunately, this isn't supported anymore. You can still buy it on DriveThruRPG, but it's called Fantastic Heroes and Wizardry. And the PDF on, it's like 750, and the PDF's really good. It's got a really good index, really, it's hyperlinked. So if you go to the PDF and click on, you know, in the table contents, it'll take you right to that page and all that kind of thing. Um it's got all your standard fantasy stuff in there. It has racial classes, kind of like uh, Adventure Conquer King system does. So you have, you could, uh, if you're playing a dwarf, you could play a dwarf as a fighter or a thief, or you could play 
dwarven racial specific classes, right? Which mm-hmm. I really like that. And they have this with dwarves and elves and whatever. Mm-hmm. And and I really like that option. The other thing they have in here, and 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 the thing that really endeared it to me was it also reaches into weird tales. So we have things to do sword and planet. And we have oh, cool. things to do just um other weird tales, like occultist class and psychic class and the um necronomist class can speak to the dead things like that you know so so it has classes to cover all those kind of things and obviously you don't have to use everything but um and it also has some it's a fairly crunchy combat which beckme got fairly crunchy by the end by the time you got like rule cyclopedia and all there are a lot of combat options And, and it has all that kind of thing so you have options like dodge and parry and things like that and uh, but it's I I, do, I really like that. So Fantastic Heroes and Wizardry, I think, is a, a really neat one. Um, I don't know that I would ever really run it because it's not honestly at that point. I would pick up Dungeon Crawl Classics and run Dungeon Crawl Classics, <laughs> which I don't consider an OSR game. But because really Dungeon Crawl in in spirit, I think DCC is pro- OSR. I think in spirit, it, it definitely falls right in there. So if you go with the Matt Finch. If you, if, if you go with the OSR as a play style, I think mm-hmm. DCC is solidly fits in there. But if we go with it has to be compatible with the TSR D D games, at that point, DCC is not really there because it's built on the skeleton of Watsy's 3.0 or 3.5. And, yeah. and so it's a different system, you know? Yeah, there's definitely some, like... Moldvayisms in there too, like a racist class kind of thing. You're mm-hmm. a dwarf, you're a halfling, you're an elf. Right. But uh, yeah, it would almost be like having some kind of weird blender hooch of Rollmaster, BX, and uh, and then 3.0. Um, or you could say it's like BX with the world's largest uh, volume of house rules. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I've gotten arguments with people online before over, you know, well, it's, you know, based on 3.0. No, it's not. Look at this, this, and this. Well, Mm -hmm. but you can tell the skeleton of it. You've got the three saves. It's a D20 mechanic. I mean, it's obviously based on, which isn't a negative against it. DCC is my favorite D20 fantasy game. Honestly. I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun to play. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it can also, I can also like want to tear my hair out. When I play it because I've I'm so used to things acting a certain way and then DCC, mm-hmm. which is part of the game and part of the fun for a lot of people, is you really don't know what the heck is gonna happen, you know? Uh, right. Yeah, and it, I enjoy especially that. Especially magic especially magic wise. So yeah. Right. And that's that's a feature, not a bug. It's you know, it's mm-hmm. that's how the game is intended to be. So I'll let's go back and forth here. So mm-hmm. um, maybe the f- first OSR game I bought was Castles and Crusades. <clears throat> and I think, and that a lot of people will say is kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, I need to take a little sip of lemonade. Yep. That also kind of like DCC has a little bit of uh 3.0 in it too um with uh, the zero level cantrips and um and the attribute saving throws rather than you know the the different categories that you have in classic D and stuff um so it's it's almost like and this coming from someone that's completely naive, so I sh- shouldn't even say this, uh, but it almost seems like 5e reached into the playbook of Castles and Crusades for some of their ideas. Um, some of the stuff in 5e doesn't seem like it came from 3.0, and I won't even say 4e because I don't know anything about 4e. But the whole attribute saving throws seem like they were almost taken out of Castles and Crusades. And I know other games did that before Castles and Crusades. My beloved Arcanum from Bard Games did attribute saving throws mm-hmm. in 1982 or whenever the heck it came out. Uh, 
But ca- I'll, I'll say Castles and Crusades is one of my favorite OSR games. I think if if you told me you have to play the game rules as written, if I had to choose a game and play it rules as written, it would be Castles and Crusades because that comes closest to something where like nothing in it really bugs me. I think it's um, I like one of some of the things I really like about it are so the there's this their siege engine where you like I said things are based on your attributes and you are rolling a d20 to, to succeed on various things that are related to your attributes and you're determined to be have either like a primary access to an attribute or a secondary and that determines your target number and if it's a primary you need to roll a 12 or higher and it's been a long time since I read the rules, so hopefully I'm not getting these numbers wrong. And the secondary ones, I believe, is an 18. Um, but what makes it really cool is, so the classes, I think they all have one prime. You get two primes, or two attributes that you can determine as your designate as your primary access to. And your class determines, I think, one of those, and the other is discretionary. But humans, as their one advantage, get three attributes as primes. And demi-humans only get two, but then they get that suite of goodies, the mm-hmm. you know, infravision and the extra languages and all the other stuff that goes along with being a demi-human. But the humans get that, you know, three primes. So it's so when I ran it, um, I went from playing 5e where I think there was one character out of the 10 or 11 PCs I had in the game that was human to, in Castles and Crusades, I think all but one was a human because they saw that and thought, well, that's pretty pretty sweet. Um, and not that I don't want to have any demi-human characters in my games. That, you know, it just, it you know... And people that listen to me know it, it bugs me a little bit when I feel like people choose it just for the goodies, you know. Mm-hmm. And in some games, my beloved BX, uh, some of the classes, you know, it doesn't make any sense other than from a role playing point of view. Or if you think your game is going to go beyond 12th level, <laughs> and far between those are, uh, it doesn't make any sense to choose a, a human fighter over a dwarf. Right. Uh, in that game but so castles and crusades i think it's a, a really cool game it, it's uh to me it's a de-wonkified ad and d first edition when i read it it just reeked of of ad and d first edition and perhaps it's because gary gygax actually you know was a little bit of a consultant um with uh working with the chenault brothers and matt golden on that Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just so much of an homage to AD and D first edition. That's why, but it really took me back to almost like reading the AD and D uh, books. Maybe minus the Gygaxian prose and stuff, but it would it just it was you know had more of a, a modern or a uh, a more cohesive layout and uh, functionality to the books, and I there's no denying the charm of a D and D and you know, everything that goes along with it, but there's also something very appealing to a book that you can find what you need really easily. And, well, and, um, well that's even know. with, with BX, right? So, right. Y- you know, we found that out in, in a recent game I was in with um, C- Cody Maza, the no safe for you podcast. Mm-hmm. We, he, you know, he had a cave bear in there and mm-hmm. cave bear is actually one of the wander monsters in, basic but the experience it's not listed as an experience card because experience chart for cave bears a seven hit die creature the experience for monsters chart stops at six Six now in the expert book it has it right but but it's one of those you know like those oddball things right where where of course ad and d the rules are spread out amongst the books i mean and not even just so spread out amongst the monster manual player's handbook the dm's guide deities and demigods has additional yep. things and even the supplement things and i've got well they're in the other room i don't have them but like the 
the the book that came with your NPC records and your player records, those yep. in the inside covers of those those had like some like the capacities for like large pouches, small pouches, and there are some capacities you can only find in those accessory packs that you get your character sheets in and things like that. Yep. So it's really. I, I remember out. those NPC record sheets. They were, they were like uh, not blaze orange, but they were kind of like an orange color. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. It, the the cool thing with those these days is you if you find some of those on eBay, mm-hmm. it, it, it's almost worth getting them if you can get them for pretty cheap, especially if they're used ones because that way you, you get to see people's old characters. That yeah, were, yeah. You know, they're partially filled out, which, which is always a goldmine looking at other people. You know, see what they <laughs> yeah. wrote in there. Right. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be cool. All right, so we've got uh, a couple on the on the uh, shelf here. You got another one that you'd like to bring up? Yeah. So I so we talked about Cast and Crusades, and that's one I've I own the player's handbook for Cast and Crusades. I haven't ever really played it, so I can't comment on that. Yep, um, and that's all you really need. Like mm-hmm. the they've got a Castle Keeper's Guide, which is you know their DM's guide basically, but it's all just filled with uh optional rules and advice there's no there's nothing really because their their monster manual is called monsters and treasures which i think is oma isn't that how od and d is laid out too isn't, yeah isn't well that... yeah od and d has the your your basic um i'd have to pull them up to see the well, exact titles but like there's wilderness of monsters yeah. or monsters and treasures or underworld I, yeah they're they're yeah. broken into three books yeah um, people are so yelling they, at the screen right now but. right right yeah <laughs> I don't. I've, that's uh, confession time. I've never, I've never owned OD and I don't, I don't have it. Uh, so, so I, I don't have an original copy, of course. But I have. Oh no, yeah, um, I don't even have a PDF or anything. I need to. It, it's worth getting to, get to read through. So it's mm-hmm. Men and Magic, Monsters and Treasure, and um, why is it not even show? Why is it? Why is it? It's like Mythic Underworld or yeah, something like it, that. It's like it is frustrating. The entry here. Well, anyways, Castles and Crusades, is, there's like a player's handbook and then there's monsters and treasures. Mm-hmm. So you could you could get by, if you have like AD&D, you could just buy the Castles and Crusades player's handbook and use your monster manual. It's not, right. I mean, and all the, all the magic items you could use right out of the DM's guide. You, I mean, you don't need, unless you want to support the Troll Lords, which I, I, I'm all in favor of. Um, you can get by with just playing with the player's handbook, but yeah. Well, so I, I guess is a, I, th- there are adaptions of BX to do other genres, right? It, mm-hmm. Like you've, you know, Mark Hunt has done it, used it to do World War II. He's well, the World War II minute, but anyway, but in, in Wild West and different things, but I'm not Gang a big in gang, gangbusters yeah. is yeah. The, the, the most famous one. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of that. I'd rather just play the original games than try to mm-hmm. mold BX into that. But mm-hmm. one one thing that Goblinoid Games has done, and Goblinoid Games, Dan Proctor, who kind of dropped out for a little bit there, but they're back. They're going to be kickstarting Labyrinth Lord Second Edition here yeah. soon, which is exciting news. But mm-hmm. they've got a supplement called Mutant Future. And Mutant Future is effectively Gamma World, but using Labyrinth Lord rules. So if if you guys remember back in the day, you had Gamma World, which was the post-apocalyptic sci-fi game where you had mutant plants and, you, you know, all kinds of crazy things and advanced technology. But people are running around with stop signs and shields and stuff and just, right. you know, evil, pure strain humans are your bad guys and, yep. all you know, rogue AIs, all this kind of crazy stuff. But Gamma World was a slightly different system than AD&D. They didn't totally mesh. There are rules in the DMG to use them together, but, you know, it never perfectly meshed where mutant future does mesh with labyrinth Lord in a way that gamma world never quite did with AD and D and, and, and you would be interested, Rob, there's a good Thundar hack for um, a good Thundar book for mutant future. But so well, mutant future, I, I think it, it's fair to say it, it firmly falls in the OSR category because it effectively is using, Labyrinth Lord rules to do post-apocalyptic, you, you know what I mean, and and it's compatible with Labyrinth Lord, but it I I I appreciate that spirit of, you you know making that more. I don't know that you ever would combine them. It just makes it a little bit easier to port monsters back and forth and do things like yeah. that. 
but kind of like MCC and DCC too. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I, I would offer Mutant Future along with Labyrinth Lord. I think Labyrinth Lord is a good, it, it is a good port if you want a little more advanced. And of course, Advanced Labyrinth Lord gives you effectively what OSC and Advanced OSC does. Yep. They're, they're, they're pretty comparable products, all, yep. all told. Um, Speaking of Dan Proctor and Goblinoid Games, didn't they do like a Planet of the Apes games? They did. Too? Was, yeah. Is, yeah. Is that based on like a BX chassis or is that some other, is that like a skill system, you know? You don't have to look it up. If you don't I, know, that's fine. I believe but. it's based on the BX chassis. I, I've got it. I just, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know that I ever looked at it. I, I bought yeah. it. I, I yeah, so I, I'm a fan of Goblinoid. That. Goblinoid bought this isn't OSR, but mm-hmm. really quick diversion. Goblinoid bought the properties for Paysetter. There's another company that took the name of Paysetter that works a frog guy that putting out adventures. They put out that god awful BX remastered set right. that wasn't ready for prime time, but. Right. The actual pace set of products like, you know, Chill, Time Master, those, those games were Dan Proctor owns that stuff. Now, he doesn't own the name Chill and he does, but he owns the system. And and so he publishes Crypt Keeper or Crypt Master, which is effectively Master, Chill. Yeah. But but I appreciate him doing that, making those things available and, and doing all he does. So I bought over the years, I, I own everything that Goblin has ever put out and, and, and all their stuff. I, I, I'm, mm. I'm a big fan of, of Dan's stuff. But and not just Dan. I mean, other people um, have, have put a lot of work into into his stuff. Uh, you know, especially working with like the Cryptmaster line and stuff. But yeah. um, yeah. So I I do own it. I but I I'll I'll figure it out while we're talking. But um, but yeah, that's my 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 next pick. I I think would be the Labyrinth Lord slash Mutant Futures because the way it you, you know kind of mixes in a way that we never had back then. Mm-hmm. And, and and then I've got one more after after you if you if you have one. Yeah, well, my I mean my second choice, and again, if if I'm because BX is my my beloved system, mm-hmm. but I don't. There are a lot of things that in it that I really don't like. So so for me to play like BX rules as written, I'd certainly do it. It's not like it's. I'm, it's not like it's all oh, this game's terrible or anything, but there's a few things that bug me about it. So I'm kind of thinking along the lines of like, all right, if I were to, because we're talking about, you know, like maybe recommending these systems. So for me, like a rules is written. My next choice would be swords and wizardry complete, uh, or now just swords and wizardry. It used to be that there were several versions of the game based upon what Matt Finch was kind of trying to what what game what tsr game he was trying to capture whether it was just the the white box or the original box uh i think swords and wizardry core added the greyhawk supplement mm-hmm. and then complete added blackmore eldritch wizardry and some of the strategic review classes and things uh so yeah swords and wizardry is uh, an ODD uh hack it's one of the first osr games uh won in any award i believe uh way back when and um i think it's a great game uh it's not one that seemed it seemed like my group kind of bounced off it a little bit i think they they were a lot more accustomed to playing bx so having the really small modifiers for attributes i think kind of bummed out some of the players and stuff and uh and we didn't really give it a real long test drive so i don't think it was a real fair uh thing but it seemed like yeah you know uh, it came time to kind of wrap things up or to start something different so i basically just said i'll just start i'll just go back to playing dx or whatever but uh but i really do like swords and wizardry a lot um matt finch isn't uh publishing through frog god anymore he's back to just kind of doing his own thing so it's just myth mirror games uh but i i believe there are still free pdfs of swords and wizardry complete that you can find out there it used to be that you could get it on the frog god Uh website but i don't know now where you might find it but that would be my second choice yeah the the other so sword and wizardry complete is a good way and i remember they used to have you know, the white box and they had all the different versions and, and yep. all that stuff back in the G plus days. But the, um, 
the other game that kind of just doing the same thing that I really appreciate what, what they've tried to do is delving deeper. Mm-hmm. And, and that fits in the same category. The difference is delving deeper is much easier to absorb than OD and D is because it's doing the OD and D thing. The three little books, which yep. are like AD and D they're, you know, it, the thing with it, folks, if you get OD and D and, and it's worth buying them just to check it out, not the original copies, unless you have a lot of money, but you know, get the PDS, forget everything you know about role-playing games and, and D and D forget the other editions of D and D and accept them on their own merit, read them as their own thing. Don't right. try to import. Oh, this means I do this because no, because this predates everything you already know. And it doesn't logically go right. So you have to mm-hmm. take them as their own thing, but Delving Deeper is another OD&D clone that's really good, and you can find online. There's a hyperlinked document online you, you can get to for free. But it's not; it still bounces around. It, still, it doesn't flow as well as Swords and Wizardry does. Maybe the best one for Swords and Wizardry, and this is a game we should mention anyway, because um, it's important in the history of OSR stuff, and because it's reached out to so many people. But Well, not this one, but so Iron Falcon is may, might be one of the best OD&D as far as readability and, and doing the rules and all that, that's put out by Chris Gonerman, who's yep. m- mostly known for basic fantasy role-playing and basic fantasy role-playing is a game that definitely deserves a, a mention from us Oh yeah, because it's out there for free and you can buy it off Amazon for like the cost yeah. of printing. It's like four bucks or five bucks or something for the, yeah, for the you can, you can buy a book for everyone in your group for about the same price as you pay for the rule system from just about anyone else. Yeah, it's, basic fantasy is a little dry, but it, it's a perfectly playable version of the game. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, but for my pick, so that wasn't my pick, but I wanted to throw that in there because you were because ta- they fit in that sword and wizardry discussion a little bit. Matt Finch deserves a, a heck of a lot of credit at, as well. We 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 definitely want to make sure he gets that. Definitely. Um, he the man. Yeah. Or at least one, one of the men. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> one of the people. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, one of the people, but. The other one I was going to mention, oh, by the way, as far as Apes Victorious, which is the game yeah. from Gavinoid Games you're thinking of, it, it says it as conversion notes for compatible games, including Lambeth Lord, Mutant Future. Oh, cool. So I got to get I got to get that one. It's well, I love Planet of the Apes. The PDF is six bucks. All right. If you want a hard copy, it's 20 bucks for the soft cover plus PDF. So. All right. Yeah. Um, he's got a sale, I think. Yeah, so I would check that out. Um, it, it, I mean, it, yeah, if you like Planet Apes, although I don't know if they're sold out yet, I, sh- I should throw out there that it, well, it's not OSR, I'll tell you later. Sorry, folks, you're not going to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, the I, I can cut that part out of the recording too um, before I send it to you. The, the other game I was going to mention though, it, see, I need to write this stuff down. I might have forgotten what I was going to. Well, I can fill some airtime here because yeah, when, you fill talk, some air time when you were because talking, I forgot your, what I was going to. When recommend. you mentioned your first that first game, what was it called again? Fabulous, Fantas- Fantastic Heroes and Witchery. Right. So Witchery is what what went off in my my mush brain because I knew I had something on my hard drive. There's a game Sabers and Witchery. Oh, that's Simon yeah. Washburn. Have you yeah. seen that? That this mm-hmm. looks actually pretty cool. Looks like yeah. it's a OD and D hack, and it's. It's uh, it's a role-playing game nominally set in Europe, although it could be elsewhere, from the end of the English Civil War uh-huh. through approximately the, the, the Napoleonic Wars era. Um, yeah, Simon so, Washburn did Barbarians. He's the author of Barbarians Lemuria, and he's oh, also okay. got a number of OD&D clones. He has a Western OD&D clone in there and a okay. couple other ones. But yeah, that one's neat, and that actually will lead me to my next comment when we're done talking about Savers and Witchery. Yeah, so this the there's the classes uh, are fighter, the hunter, which seems like it's kind of a modified cleric. It's more like a monster hunter. Uh, so you, I mean, you get things like turning undead, but I don't know if you really actually get magic. Uh, I don't think you do. Uh, the magus, uh, which is your magic user, and a scoundrel which is a sort of thief, but uh, you'll like this. I don't think there's any like thieving abilities, um, or at least, at least the ones that uh, are the, the standard, you know, thieving abilities uh, and the woodsman. 
So that sounds like a pretty cool game. I'll have to, I, I vaguely remember looking at this when I downloaded it and like happens with so much of my PDF library. It, uh, as soon as I close the document, I seldom refer to it again, which is why I almost always get uh, dead tree versions because those, uh, don't get lost on my hard drive. I actually look at things when I have a physical copy. Right. So the, yeah, it's, I've got the same problem with PDFs. It's, you, you just forget all about them. Yeah. So that actually leads us to a controversial choice. So I am trying, I'm trying to keep my choices to, to my definition of OSR, which it folks, whatever your definition of OSR is, is fine. But my definition is that compatible with TSR, yada, yada, yada. So, yep. Lamentations of Flame Princess turns a lot of people off for a variety of reasons. The shock jock nature of a lot of the modules and 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 things are understandable why people might not be interested in Lamentations of Flame Princess. You can get the free copy. There's a free copy of the rules, an art free, free copy of the rules. And Lamentations is one of the better presentations of the rule set. And it one thing it has in there that's really nice. It's it's got firearms rules that are pretty decent for black powder guns, but it mm-hmm. also has really good domain management stuff in there. Really basic domain, like talk about like cost, like upkeep costs for your manor house and, yep. and hireling costs. And the lamentations one now, a venture conquer king system, another controversial system, has a really in depth domain management stuff. Yep. But the lamentations is simple enough that you it's not going to scare you away from using it. But mm-hmm. it's detailed enough to make it matter. You, you know what yep. I mean? So I would yep. recommend the art-free version of Lamentation. I mean, if it, I, I'm not telling you not to buy the regular version. But if you, if you have issues with Lamentations, think about picking up the free art-free version of it just to look at the, the that, you know, management p- portion of it, the, you know, the upkeep costs and all that kind of thing, because they're really well done in that version of it. Yep. I agree. There's uh, some really interesting ideas uh, in Lamentations of the Flame Princess. A lot of the encumbrance rules are really sleek and usable, and uh, some of his ideas for, you know, like he, I think he was one of the one of the first games that did like a die six uh, replacement for all the thieving abilities and stuff, and mm-hmm. and using some other like real basic skills like bush, bushcraft and stuff like that um, as a D6 kind of mechanic. Um, in that game only the fighter gets better to hit rolls uh, which makes them you know definitely different than the other classes so yeah that's it's a really cool system and um i have a couple other supplements and stuff i i just have the art free version of the the rules myself too but um yeah good choice Hmm. i hope you've got an alternate escape route all right, so there you go. We got uh, six systems that we talked about. I mean, there's the the biggies. I mean, old school essentials. I think it's a it's really good. I I still even though I own old school essentials, and I actually use it kind of as a table reference sometimes. Especially there's this uh, compendium, a reference booklet. Uh-huh. that they do that's very handy it just has all the charts that you'd have in bx and gavin norman is also included um all the things from his advanced version uh his his take on ad and d kind of in the bx scope but it has virtually any anything you'd need in this little uh, i don't know if it's like 30 page yeah 30 page reference booklet and that's a great table uh, reference for your BX or OSE or Labyrinth. I, I think you could probably use it for for most of Labyrinth Lord too, because they're all and even basic fantasy probably. But uh, anyway, yeah, that, one before we leave the segment, I I will say yeah. for all the people yelling, the third volume of OD and D is the Underworld and Wilderness Adventures. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want we don't want Taylor and Daniel to to call in and be berating us. You ignorant fools. They wouldn't be wrong in in my case. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm the Yahoo that does that suggested we did OSR October. I I'm 
I'm the moron that hasn't even read OD&D. So. <laughs> well, but that gives you some homework. That's a good thing. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so how about your, you know, you're uh, a big movie fan like I am. What do you think would be your idea of a movie that captures some of the some of the cool vibes that go throughout some of the some of the OSR think you know like the that would maybe embody some of the things that you might think about uh, when you're playing an OSR game, especially in the style presented by Matt Finch in the primer for old school gaming. So I've, I've thought about this since you mentioned that topic and mm-hmm. it, it's tough. I, I So asking me to pick a favorite is always tough. I'm not right. ever yes. able to nail down a favorite, but I've thought yeah, about a couple, a couple different things here. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, you're, you're going to get a list because the way it goes, right? But, you, you know, if we start right. just go chronologically, right, mm-hmm. Th- then I think 1924 is the Thief of, the ba- Thief of Baghdad with um, Douglas Fairbanks. Is I don't have you ever seen that one, the original Thief of Baghdad? I've not seen that. No, nope. you, you probably you probably have seen the 1940 version. I don't know if I have. Who's who's that? Oh, oh the you, you, you're frozen. Your, your recording's frozen. No, he was dead by then. I think uh, now you're back. Your recording was frozen. Are you still there? Okay. There we go. I'm here. I can hear you. Okay, I can. Now you're back. Yeah, you were frozen there. All right. Um, so, so we'll, we'll rewind. <laughs> I got the chill touch. Yeah. The 1940 version. Did Did you see that? No, I have not seen that. Okay, so the 1940 version actually doesn't have anybody in there. You might. So it's Conrad Velt, Sabu, okay. John Justin, June Duprez, and Rex Ingram, but the. So anyway, Thief of Baghdad is, you know, it's your, it's your, you know, 1001 Nights, right? It's, mm-hmm. um, you're, but both of those are because they give you the fantastic. And, and if you think about it, those Arabian Nights, they're, I mean, that's such a great tale. You know, those tales fit right in to the, mm-hmm. the kind of thing we're talking about. But so for the early days, I would think those, and also I would plug in the Errol Flynn Robin Hood, even though there's not any mystical things in there, magical stuff mm-hmm. in there. I, I think some of the spirit and some of the idea that Errol Flynn and, and now uh, th- this postdates OSR, but Robin Sherwood, the British TV series, also sure. really nails a, a lot of that kind of low fantasy, but that kind of feel, right? Yeah. Um, but so then we get to the ones, I, and I've got more after this, but honestly, anything Harryhausen works. Yeah. It, you know, whether whether it's his, you know, Sinbad movies, whether it's Clash of the Titans, you know, just almost, but especially the Sinbads and the and the Clash of the Titans really work for me. Is as far as inspiration here, um, Ralph Baskey's Wizards, the you know, 1977's Wizards, I, yep. I think in in some ways, um, and, and we get in the. I'm, I'm not even going to mention the Conan movies. We talk a lot about the Conan movies. Beastmaster gets mentioned a lot, but it deserves to be. Beastmaster mm-hmm. is a great movie. Crawl isn't yeah, crawl, crawl and Hawk the Slayer. Neither are I, I, I I'm I'm gonna hurt a lot of feelings here. Neither are really great movies, <laughs> but both of those, because you're they're traveling, they have especially crawl, is they're tra- traveling and crawl, you have all these weird encounters that they have along the way, which kind of like your random encounters and this and that. And you know, some of it's related to fighting the big bad, some of it's not. And yeah. So, so I think Crawl really, even though I, I know some people poo-poo it, but, well, you shouldn't because there's sci-fi elements in a, a lot of the D&D adventures, right? Yeah. You know, but but so Crawl and Hawk the Slayer and, and even the, the Corman entries such like like Deathstalker and Deathstalker 2. Now, the Deathstalker movies are, are pretty rapey. Deathstalker mm-hmm. 1 especially because the Roger Corman productions, it was like, y- y- you need to, we need to crank this up because that's what sells tickets. Right. But, but you have encounters with a variety of different things. You actually see magic, which a lot of sword and sorcery movies in the seventies you didn't see very much magic. You no. you do see it, and, and Death Soccer Two is great. Is in it's a parody of the original, 
like like the movie is all tongue in cheek as a parody mm-hmm. of the original, which is great. Okay. It, and then the my last thing I'll mention, and and then I'll back off, would be Thundar. What was one of the earlier things we ever saw as kids? You know, we, oh, yeah. we might have saw Harry Housen on on the TV, Harry Housen movies as a kid, definitely, yep. right? But we also you know saw Thundar, you yep. know, in the eighties and yep. Thundar definitely. So if if we're talking like so, I don't consider DCC. But if is OSR, but if I consider DCC as OSR and you want to include magic stuff, I would throw in the Raven, the Vincent Price, which mm-hmm. again is Roger Corman. But yeah. I, I would throw the Raven in there because I think that well with Belagos or not Belagos with um Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff. And, yeah. and um you, you know, with the wizard duels and all that kind of yep. thing. I mean I yep. what well, Nicholson's in that too. Jack Nicholson has a tiny part in that. Yep. Um, yep. And, and and um what's his name? Um I'm brain farting. And the guy from Maltese Falcon. Oh, uh, Peter Laurie. Yeah, Peter, no. Peter Laurie's yeah. in it too. Yeah, yeah. The the Raven. So the Raven's basically a kids' film, folks. But check it out. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a pretty great film. Yep. Um, I I don't know. I mean, obviously the Conan movies definitely, but yeah. know, th- those are some of the things I think that the evoke. But you could even throw in Star Wars, right? I mean, to some degree, right? Yeah, I think a lot of these things. When when I was talking about kind of the or what I had in mind or what came to mind for me was just kind of like the feel of it or whatever. So it doesn't. To me, it doesn't necessarily have to be a fantasy genre uh, movie, mm-hmm. but so like for for a fantasy movie, I think Dragon Slayer might be the most like OSR to me mm-hmm. because the the hero of the of the movie is a kind of a bumbling apprentice at the at least at the beginning. The only power he really has is this amulet that spoilers that the uh his his mentor has kind of trapped his or embedded his essence into so it allows him to make or to to cast more potent magic by use of this man amulet it's almost like a ring of spell storing or something uh-huh. but he himself does, only has very minor powers and he relies more much more on guile and uh and just coming up like he uses the amulet he doesn't like use the amulet to like blast the dragon out of existence instead he uses it to like bring to start a rock slide and that rock slide turns into a big avalanche and he thinks he's entombed the dragon in a bunch of under a bunch of rocks and stuff right but it just but that movie just seems to it's it's kind of the the camera work and stuff has a lot of night scenes and darkness and stuff like that. You've got dripping caves and um, and the keep where uh, where uh, Ulrich the the wizard lives and stuff. Cragenmore, I think, is what it's called. Um, is isn't like some kind of fairy tale Camelot. It looks like a real castle and uh-huh. uh, with low ceilings and. And even Ulrich, the the great wizard, uses a lot of like just uh, chicanery and charlatanism to kind of impress the the mundane people. And uh, so it's yeah, I think that's a really uh, really feels OSR to me. A couple others, which I'm going off the fantasy board, but to me, Jaws is yeah. uh, very much. If you took that movie and recast it in uh, some kind of medieval setting, it's three bozos out there trying to kill something that they are they're in way over their head. We need a bigger mm-hmm. boat. Um, and uh, another one, I think uh, Guns of Navarone, I think is very much a like adventuring party thing where everyone has their specialty you've got all the nazi minion mooks that they're kind of mowing down all around them and stuff but they're definitely not invincible and they you know spoilers <laughs> things happen in that movie to the party but uh uh and the and the actual like fortress that they're invading is almost like going into a dungeon or something with with different traps and and stuff and uh it's uh, kind of an infiltration kind of scenario or something. So I think those are two 
movies outside of the fantasy genre that I think kind of evoke kind of a OSR feel to me. I think those are great picks. Uh, I, I intentionally didn't touch Dra- Dragon Slayer, by the way, because I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, that's one of my faves. Yeah, I know it's but, one of your faves. Yeah. Um, no, th- those. Yeah, I. So, so I guess it. Yeah, I, I guess, and it takes you back to that question, and and that's something. This is something you'll have to discuss with other guests. But mm-hmm. the idea of is OSR that is it the pathetic aesthetic? Is it the zero to hero? You, you know, or because mm-hmm. we know that when you look at the early games, that wasn't necessarily the play style, at least not for long, right? Because mm-hmm. when you read the stories of the games Gygax is running, and, and you know, I mean, people are vampires and hype. I mean, look at Blackmore, right? I mean, they, right. They, 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 they might maybe session one or two, they were zeros, but they, they got in, into weird and mystical and powerful pretty quick. You know, right. right. And you look at the old supplement, the Rogues Gallery, where the back of that is filled with with stats and and write ups for the characters that were in, you know, the Gygax games and stuff. So you have a lot of the the NPC or the the characters that uh, spells are named after, like Tensor and mm-hmm. Bigby and Mordenkainen and all these, and they're all like sixteenth, eighteenth, fourteenth level. I mean, they're uh, so they definitely played to high level characters now to be fair they played a lot i mean oh, you right, know gygax right. was running almost daily and they were and they right. were long games and they were yeah you, you know so and we know with arneson you hear the stories about people call him on the phone and he'd yeah work with them on the phone and they'd be you know but so so you know there was a heck of a lot of play going on yep. so they yep. very may you know the zero to here i'm not saying it didn't happen right but, but they weren't always playing the lower level games right uh, we, we yep. know that, but yeah, no, I, but, but it's definitely part of the general idea. And even when you get, look at the OSR adjacent games, right. When, when, whether you're looking at Torchbearer or you're looking at a lot of these games, the idea of, you know, death at first level is a real possibility and counting your torches and all that is, is really e- even the new OSR and, and, mm-hmm. you, you know, and all these other games that aren't super compatible, but that, the things Matt Finch writes about in the primer exist. Yeah. And that's why they, they, they kind of are part of the family, whether, you know, whether right. they're relatives or, or their immediate family, but they're, they're definitely belong. Definitely. Yeah. There, there are games that are, that definitely emulate like a play style similar to what mm-hmm. you can get out of the traditional OSR games and stuff. They're just games that are a lot more difficult to, to uh, use my old stuff with and you know hey there's a a big dollop of laziness in my liking these old games and being frugal because i've got looking around me i've got stacks of game material that i've never used i i mean i have more than i can use my lifetime and 95 percent of it is geared for tsr era D. so that's kind of what i what i do um mm-hmm. i like the games but i also just have a lot and i know them like the back of my hand uh so learning a new game or playing a new game while very appealing at times to me because i do feel like um perhaps i could grow as a gamer or or just experience different the game, the same type of game in different ways by playing something like RuneQuest or Stormbringer or something. Um, it's very easy for me to fall back into using the games I'm so, so familiar with and have so many supplements for. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And, and I'm kind of the same way. I, I default. I, I, I dabble more than you do, but, mm-hmm. you, you know, but, I, but I'm still end up playing the same things and I have stacks of games that i've never you know read but never played and stacks other stacks that i've never even read so right yeah i i mentioning that though and talking about that there is there is one game that we, we need to give an honorable mention to and it's not even honorable mention i mean it, it, it belongs in the 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 pantheon of great retro clones is because for ad and d what do we have out there right you, yeah you have osc with the advanced options you have advanced labyrinth lord you have osric which isn't 
written to be played. Obstacles are written to let people publish adventures that were compatible with AD&D that people could continue playing. But mm-hmm. at least in spirit, maybe, maybe it's not necessarily a rules clone of AD&D, but when we look at Hyperborea, the oh, yeah. or, uh, you know, Astonishing Swordsman, Swordsman Hyperborea 2nd Edition, Hyperborea 3rd Edition, Hyperborea is the other one. If I was going to play, a, you, you know, if I couldn't have AD&D, Hyperborea might, and, and it's not a direct comparison because Hyperborea is more of a sword and sorcery feel and, and it, in a post-apocalyptic world. But Hyperborea is more your Conan. Like my preferred system for that's Barbarians Lemuria, which has nothing to do with the OSR. But right. Hyperborea is actually a very well thought out system. It's very detailed. The mm-hmm. characters start off pretty. Com- they're not heroes at start. Well, I guess they're heroes, but they're they're not super competent. But they start <laughs> off with a bunch more abilities than you have in a standard BX game, right? You know, right. like. You know, I was creating a character for a game. I'm in here soon. We're doing a, a short campaign, Hyperborea, and the I, I'm doing a Huntsman, and, and I'm oh, and this ability, and this ability, and this, you, you know, and, and you have mm-hmm. a stack of ever all the character classes have stacks of special things to make them more unique from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and he and and it's but it, but it's well thought out. It's it's well done. The combat's been cleaned up with third dish. I don't know if it had to be, but. I know a lot of people complained about the two-phase combat, so they changed that up. But Hyperborea is one that's worth looking at, I think, if, yes. if you want and a sword and sorcery one. Um, I am. I have, um, I think, four scenarios I bought because I bought one and was reading through it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is a snap. This is this is OSR completely. I could use this in BX, no problem. And it was. No, you're, really cool scenario. You're freezing up. So again. I bought more, and in the that was better. That, that now we're better. Go go back okay. to talking about that first scenario. Being <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. So the I bought a scenario, and it's complete OSR. It was it's it would be a snap to convert to BX in the games I play and stuff. So I bought more, but so I yeah I backed the uh, third edition Hyperborea Kickstarter. I I backed at the the leatherette versions, which unfortunately, due to uh, supply chain issues, has been delayed more than the standard covers. But good news, Jeff Talanian has gotten the uh, the samples, and it's being printed as we speak. And the latest Kickstarter update I got said that he would be shipping end of October, so he's expect fulfillment to everyone. Uh, end of October, November. So, with any luck, I'll get it for OSR October. But uh, I can't wait to get that. And yeah, OSC it's... Advanced Edition box sets; those are coming too. So, yeah, it's a good time to be in the OSR. It it is. I'm in the same boat as you. I backed the Leatherette version of Hyperborea, so I'm waiting on my copy. Yeah. Um. But. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I think we I think we covered uh, some some good OSR rule sets. We talked some movies like we always do or you know, <laughs> we got to talk movies and we're we're going to be planning some more universal monster movie chats here in October too now that it's back to spooky month here. So uh, expect some an invisible man, maybe some wolfman, maybe some creature from the black lagoon coming up here as well. But uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, Jason. It's uh, apropos that I have you on my first Friends Friday podcast for OSR October. Uh, I've collaborated with you and with uh, Evil Jeff uh, probably the most. And uh, we'll hear Evil Jeff at some point, too, I hope so. Um, but uh, thanks so much for joining me and uh, and going down this crazy rabbit hole of OSR October with me as well. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm very honored to be here your first guest on this and i'm happy to come on anytime <laughs> all right and thanks for the technical uh help as well and no problem all right there you have it thanks for listening i do have some other friends lined up um, for future friend friday interviews and uh, tandem casts but uh even though the the docket is full if we can hammer out the details and the schedules and stuff like that. If anyone else still wants to 
try and uh, do some kind of tandem cast with me about any topic you're interested, gaming related, uh, let me know. And um, I'm always eager to to have to try and record those because I think they, in general, are more appealing to uh, to people. It's easier to listen to and have a listen to a conversation rather than a monologue. Um, so yeah, reach out to me if you'd like to join me on the show, or if you, if you want to lower the property value, so to speak, of your own <laughs> podcast or YouTube channel or whatever, I'd certainly be willing to, to, uh, go on uh, your show. So thanks for listening. Thanks again to Jason. And until I talk to you again, do call in Saturday tomorrow. Don't go down any heap.